A popular outcast production. Welcome to Portable Power, making genital warts fashionable since 2013. I'm Mark Matters. With me tonight is... Kevin Seibert. And Emmer Smith. And welcome to episode 37, March 1st episode. Once again, happy birthday to me. Whoa, you're like officially (laughs) mid-30s. I am dead center of my 30s now. Oh, I thought you were at, like, the twilight of your mid-30s. Like, I thought we were going to be, like, approaching... No, I'm in the new moon of my 30s. Oh! Or the eclipse. No, anyway. So... <laughs> eclipse will be when you're 39. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll be breaking dawn. I'll most likely just be uh, breaking wind. <laughs> um, okay, so, anyway... We talk about mobile video games on mobile platforms like 3DS, iOS, and Android, because obviously this is your first time listening. Anyway, hi, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm just fine. And um, what might you be drinking this evening? Tonight, I'm drinking a Coronado Brewing Company Idiot IPA. What can you tell me about it? Well, it's an Imperial India Pale Ale. It's 8.5% ABV, Mm -hmm. and it's... um, it's just an all-around solid IPA. It's got a nice amount of bitterness, but nothing that's like, I don't know, making chest hair grow on me, but right. not, that, not that anything could make that happen. <laughs> hey, some girls like that. I guess they do. <laughs> anyway, what are you playing right now? I was playing uh, Wind Waker HD a little bit. Oh. Just because like that's kind of uh, like a comfort food game for me a little bit, I guess. Hmm. And, and, I, and I got my... Uh, Toon Link Amiibo in the mail this week from nice. Amazon. So, yeah, I'm just really in the mood to head back out to the Great Sea. Awesome, awesome. Well, our question of the week this episode is, what's the most positive thing you can say about the hit movie and book series Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, the most positive thing I can say about Fifty Shades of Grey is that it gave me something to do on Valentine's Day night. Did you go see it? No. What I did was... I went to a showing of Fifty Shades of Grey and stood outside the door and then waited for a girl who was leaving by herself and I followed her home because you know she's into that. <laughs> I, I see where this is. If they're into Fifty Shades, yeah. they're into being stalked and psycho right. dudes. So right. I figure like, I mean, why not? Yeah. So how'd that night go after that? Uh, I have a restraining order. <laughs> oh, well, there's a great deal of restraining in that movie. So, it's very fitting. (laughs) Yes, the order is I I restrain her on a regular basis, Ah. and she gets super into it. She gets hot and bothered. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Emrys, what might you be drinking this evening? I am drinking cool, clear water. Taste of the Appalachian Mountains, I guess, not the Rocky Mountains. I don't know. It's filtered through Milton's sewer system, so... (laughs) 
<laughs> there could be quite a few flavors in there that I'm not accounting for. Yeah. Namely, tomato paste from Chef Boyardee. Yeah, Ooh. probably that's the primary contributor. Yeah, little known fact for our listeners. Um, the th- all three of us are our hometown Milton? More or less. Okay. Well, it's it's the birthplace of Chef Boyardee, that nasty pasta that nobody wants to eat. I used to taste test for them as a kid. That's horrifying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I consider Chef Boyardee to be um, Bachelor Chow, like from Futurama. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm play. I've been playing nothing but Hearthstone. I've been completely obsessed with Hearthstone ever since I nice. discovered the Face Hunter deck, where you just attack the other person's face and you ignore everything <laughs> yeah. they do. And then you win. There's not a whole lot of strategy to it, other than the actual deck building itself. It's There's a surprising amount of, of tactics to it, um, but mostly it's uh, it's pretty much you just attack them. You go for the face. Yeah. Every once in a while I get completely destroyed by somebody else who gets like a perfect card draw. And then there's the occasional close game, which is fun, but mostly, mostly you just win. Just goes to show those aggro decks are OP. Yeah, I've basically given up hope for the uh, iPhone version. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. I don't know about that. Don't you have like a PC in the house somewhere though? You know, both of our computers in the house are pretty old, and it could they could probably run um, Hearthstone, but I just don't spend a lot of time on my computer now that you know I, I have a smartphone. It's way better than my computer, basically. <laughs> All right, Emrys. What is the most positive thing you can say about Fifty Shades of Grey? I think it's great that people are reading books. No. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good that people are getting off of their computers and, and reading physical books. That's healthy. What about if it's an e-book? Well, that, like, what if they're reading it on their computer? Yeah, I guess that's, that's it's disastrous. There's nothing positive to say about Fifty Shades of Grey. So, Mark, what are you drinking tonight? Um, well, the lighting is really bad in this room this, for some reason, but um, so I'm having to like hold this up to my computer screen. Um, this is Out of Bounds Brewery, which is um, a local brewery here in uh, Rockland, California. And this is their Rusted Butte Red Ale. And um, I really like red ales. I guess they're not for everybody, but it's, it's just a nice, caramelly, malty ale, like very middle of the road in terms of body and and darkness and all that but it's it's kind of creamy it's kind of nice that sounds good yeah and uh what are you playing that's not for the show um okay a few things i've been playing my club nintendo reward games so i got um mario 3d land and kid icarus uprising and greatly enjoying both of them I, I'm, I'm glad i was able to finally play them yeah i how are you finding um the digital version of kid icarus that doesn't come with a with a stand um i just have to sit a certain way you know i, mm-hmm. I, I kind of have to lay down sort of so the 3ds is it's in my hand but it's basically resting against my knees and on my chest it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a big deal yeah i i didn't use the stand once mine is still wrapped and it's 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 the levels are short enough that i can play like one level a day and be fine yeah i didn't find it to be the hand destroyer that everyone claimed it to be uh, they, they were probably trying to well i didn't play online yet and maybe if you're playing like an hour of online matches where it's really frantic it might get kind of crazy but i haven't done that yeah i i just i don't really enjoy online gaming against anonymous people anyway true um i'm also playing pokemon shuffle for the 3DS, um, one of Nintendo's first 
free-to-play games. Uh, I don't believe it's their actual first, but um, I don't hate it as much as I should. Um, you know, it's a it's a fairly generic match three puzzler with like quote unquote battles and light sort of RPG elements and stuff. But for me, the license and and the presentation make it enjoyable enough. Yeah, I've been playing it as well. I mean, it does have the usual like free-to-play failings, um, timers, microtransactions, but I haven't been bothered by them too much. Really? You know, they don't really affect me. I, it's, it's like I said about Kid Icarus, I can play a little bit and then put it down and be done with it for a day and be fine. See, I just find, I find the um, timer to be actually one of the most egregious things about it, mm. um, because it's, it's a 30-minute timer, which right. is, like, not incredibly long, but, like, long enough that you don't want to just, like, stay logged into the game. Right. So I think it's going to ultimately lead to me losing interest in it, because, first of all, like, buying one round in the game is... I, I, f- I forget what, what it is to buy um, a jewel, which gets you, like, five rounds, but each round is so incredibly short. Like, you can do them... Like, if you're good at the game, you'll do one round in less than a minute, uh-huh. which uses up one of your hearts, and you get a heart every 30 minutes unless you buy it. Right. So I, I actually find that to be really frustrating, because, like, the longest spurt you can really go for, you can only gain a maximum of five hearts. So that means that, really, the longest you're going to be going at one stretch is, like, ten minutes before you put it away again, and right. I, I barely find it... I barely find it worthwhile to boot a game up for 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it, but it's the, the type of game it is, like, whatever. 10 minutes is good enough for me. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to spend any money on it. No, I'm not either. Like, I, And the thing is, like, I found Pokemon Battle Troze to be a nearly identical experience, mm. and you just buy it, and then you play it as much as you want right. forever. Right, Yeah. So I, I just find that to be a superior alternative. Yeah, I totally get it. I think they even use a lot of the same, like, resources in terms of, like, artwork and everything. <sighs> That's funny. Yeah. Like, it, it lo- a lot of it looks really recycled. Oh, and I misspoke earlier. It's It was put out by the Pokemon Company. I don't think it was necessarily put out by Nintendo themselves. Well, what is, uh, what is the most positive thing you can say about Fifty Shades of Grey, Mark? For me, you know, it's inspiring. Because, you know, there's a whole nation of strong, independent, intelligent women out there. And they finally, uh, being led by Anastasia, whatever her name is, is example in the book, become the submissive wretch of a human that they really <laughs> long to be. You know, what woman doesn't want to be ruled by a man? I mean, all these independent women, it's all they want. It's all they want. And finally, they can have it, you know, at least <laughs> vicariously in the two hours they spend with this movie. And I think that's just so wonderful. <laughs> and the abuse part, you know, that's just the icing on the cake. The mental <laughs> abuse, the physical abuse, it's all just, it's really what Valentine's Day is all about. And the timing <laughs> of the release of this movie was beautiful. They really couldn't have timed it any more perfectly than that. <laughs> all right. Well, obviously that was sarcasm. So um, I'm going to move on now. And um, the first order of business I have today is... Hey, a new 3DS came out, and um, I kind of bought it on an impulse. Whoa. <laughs> the story behind it is actually I had a dream about it. I wasn't going to buy it. And then I had a dream about that I bought the red one, and 
I woke up and I go, screw it, I'm going to go buy it. Did you buy the red one? I went to the only store in the area that still had them left. I bought it like two or three days after it came out. And Mm -hmm. at first I'm like, oh, they only have the red one. Like this was meant to be. And then um, when the guy picked it up, I saw there was a black one behind it. So I, I grabbed the, the black one. As tribute to your original 3DS. Well, more so that I just like my devices to be very nondescript. And I don't mm-hmm. need this flashy Ferrari-looking thing, you know, especially when I play in public. You know, I don't know how many people actually would want to steal a 3DS. But I feel like the, the, the simpler the design, the simpler the colors, the less likely that is to happen. I get it. Um, I have a bunch of thoughts on it, and I won't spend a lot of time on it. The biggest thing about it is the stable 3D, and that's devil magic. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> it, the viewing angle now is almost 180 degrees, and um, it uses head tracking through the camera to do that, and it works like 99% of the time. It's it's crazy, it's weird, and it's only so crazy and weird because coming from an original 3DS you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. where we had to be in that that sweet spot. You know, don't move, don't sneeze. The only problem I ever have with it is when I'm sitting with a... We have big picture windows in our house, and if I'm sitting in front of one of those, for some reason, I don't know if the light interferes with it or whatever, occasionally the 3D can't find me. I don't really know. Huh. I mean, that does sound really awesome. Like, I, that's been, like, my one of my biggest problems oh, with the 3DS since, like, day one. It makes you want to go back and um, play... All your old games. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Another thing, it has a faster processor. And the only really noticeable thing I've seen so far is um, loading times and like mm-hmm. switching menus and the multitasking stuff like Miiverse. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't fix the, say, the slowdown in Pokemon X in the battles. It doesn't do anything with that. Uh. I, that might be a programming thing. I don't really know much about it, but it didn't help with that. And it didn't help in a game like um, Dead or Alive Dimensions, mm-hmm. where in 2D, it's 60 frames a second, and it's gorgeous, and the animation's amazing, and then you put it in 3D, and it cuts the frame rate in half to 30 frames a second, and you can really notice it, and it doesn't help with that either, so. That's so weird, because, like, with a, with a fighting game, you want silky smooth frame rate, like, almost as much as you want in an FPS. You know, in 30, 30 isn't unbearable. It's a solid 30, but when you're on 60, for that and, say, Street Fighter 4, like, it's super noticeable, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, also, there's a new C-Stick. It's basically a right analog stick. It works well. It's a bit small. It feels like a pencil eraser. I just would have preferred another circle pad. I don't I don't really get why they wouldn't do that. Maybe the design, the button layout would have been weird. I don't know. It probably, I mean, they probably would have had to place it in the same way that, like, the D-pad is, like, for, for the buttons. Sure. And I, I don't know how I would feel about that. Yeah, I mean, but it works okay. Um, it has NFC support, um, which it's welcome, but it's not a feature I'm going to use that very often for my Amiibo or Skylanders or whatever. <laughs> the bigger screens are pretty nice. Like, um, I don't know how much bigger than the original XL. I didn't really look that up. But, I mean, this thing just looks massive. And the problem is it's not a higher resolution. So the pixel size is just basically bigger. And I heard on another podcast or somewhere that the pixel ratio, basically pixel to screen size ratio, is close to the original Game Boy. Oh. Yeah, they're pretty big. Has a better web browser with HTML5 video playback, so you can watch videos um, in your browser and also, like, 3D videos on, like, YouTube and stuff, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Has a new stylus. It's no longer the cool telescoping metal stylus. It's, like, a shorter but thicker plastic one, but 
whatever. I like the telescope. I kind of did too, but I've seen horror stories of people that tried to salvage them and use them for their new 3DS, and they get lost in the in the holder. <laughs> there are two additional additional shoulder buttons, which is nice. Um, I don't. I've only played like one or two games that actually take advantage of that, but more buttons is kind of welcome. They're a little tricky to get to at first. Like you're constantly, accidentally hitting the other ones as well, but mm-hmm. you get used to it. Um, they relocated the start, select, and home buttons. The new home button is wonderful. I love it. It's way better than the original. Keep in mind, I never had an XL. I only had the original launch 3DS, so I don't really know how much different it is there. Better battery life. Uh, the manual says up to 7 hours. Um, if you're paying, playing DS games, it can be up to 12 hours, so that's nice. Um, and then, you know, it's just a huge console like it barely fits in my pockets i have to use two hands to slide it in like really gently to get it into my back pocket um i don't have very big hands but it's still pretty comfortable to hold it's not heavy or anything like that or unwieldy um the buttons aren't spaced out weird or anything like that and then all in all i mean it's just a beautiful design like it sometimes i just sit and stare at it like i am right now (laughs) um it's it's just really sleek and elegant and just like well constructed it just doesn't feel my original 3ds kind of felt cheap and i don't remember if it felt like that originally or if that was from four years of use but i mean this thing is just like a nice tight sleek elegant machine um it's just about everything i wanted my launch 3ds to be but you know only four years late to the party (laughs) of course they're gonna they're gonna announce the follow-up to it next year well that's okay that's okay, because I will punch Reggie in the face. I don't know, man. I think you and Reggie in a fight, Reggie's going to win. <laughs> yeah, he's easily six times the size of me. <laughs> but anyway, enough about this thing. Something else came out the same day as the new 3DS. Did it? Yeah. Well, a couple things. Uh, Monster Hunter 4, but we're not reviewing that because no one, none of us decided to buy it. No, I'm talking about The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D. Okay, so first of all, uh, I never played the original Majora's Mask because I never had an, a Nintendo 64. Why not? I despise the Nintendo 64 <laughs> and every single thing about it. I think that the controllers are the worst video game controllers that have ever been created. They are one-third useless at any given time. I don't think that this the console market was ready for 3D games yet because the textures on every Nintendo 64 game were terrible, Zelda games included. And I thought that despite the fact that everyone gets a giant boner over Ocarina of Time, mm. it's not that good of a game. It's it's an all right game. It's not terrible, but it's not good. It was good. It's just it's not the uh, messiah of gaming that people make it out to be. I think it, after playing it many times, I've probably beaten it five times, and I think it's a logical expansion of Zelda into the 3D uh, world. And I think the storytelling is really well done. If not, you know, it's a little dated and whatever at this time, but I think it's a good game. I think Majora's Mask is better, but we'll get to that later. 
I think Majora's Mask is much better than Ocarina of Time. I I played Ocarina of Time on the GameCube collector's disc and thought it was very mediocre. I had already played Wind Waker, which I vastly prefer. Oh, good gravy. <laughs> uh, and then I had the collector's disc that had Majora's Mask on it as well, but after finishing Ocarina and dealing with god-awful textures for the duration of that game, I was not ready to move on to another yeah. Nintendo 64 game. You need a little eye bleach. I really did. I was excited about Majora's Mask because I understand that it's a very different type of Zelda game. Yeah, um, I think I compared it to um, uh, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Really? It's it's a dark Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Zelda's not even in it. Ganon's not even in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a side story. Link's on his own in an unfamiliar place. It's not Hyrule. It doesn't have a lot of the Zelda tropes. Well, it has a lot of Zelda tropes, but it doesn't have all of the Zelda tropes. Um, yeah. It's it's sad. It's dark. It's It has the Ballad of the Windfish in it, but not well, really. Well, not really. Yeah. There's a song called that, but it's not. It's not the true version. Don't let them lie to you, children. Yeah. You, you have some great points on there with it being like Link's Awakening. However, uh, I actually think, um, despite, like, I mean, the, you know, the, the trimmings, like the settings and, like, the characters and everything, I think it's a lot more like A Link to the Past, which is my favorite video game of all time. Okay. Um, and, and here's the reason why. First of all, the, bo- the bomb bag is an item that you buy, not a dungeon item, like Ocarina uh-huh. of Time, which is fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that it's, you know, treated, pro- like, items are treated properly in this game. You do side quests, you explore, and you find things that are actually useful to your quest outside of dungeons. Yeah. And I love that. Like, it encourages you to really explore, like, in in A Link to the Past, one of the things I felt like Ocarina really fell short on was that A Link to the Past had so many different items, and you got them, like, you never knew when you were going to get them. You could be in a dungeon and you'd be guaranteed to get something there. Mm-hmm. But like you could just find you know, you could, you could just go in a cave somewhere in the overworld and hey there's a there's an ice wand right or hey there's a medallion that has like a super powerful magical spell you can cast and it was just there was so much to explore and Ocarina took so much of it away but with Majora's Mask you do side quests you get masks that you know let you play the game differently mm-hmm. some of the some of the items in Ocarina. Uh, like the red tunic and the blue tunic that allow you to be in, you know, volcanoes or underwater. Yeah. Majora's Mask handles it so much better by letting you become an actual fucking Goron. They make it super fun. Yeah. Well, I know you had issues with the rolling of the. Goron, you know, but... it. You were you were right though. It. I just needed practice. Okay. What I did was I left the dungeon because I was so angry. Oh. And then I just rolled around the overworld for a while. It's, it's the fastest way to travel outside of actual fast travel. It is, yeah, and and it's a lot of fun once you actually figure out like how to how to make it work. Yeah. So I get why people like this game so much. I think it should be lauded more highly than Ocarina of Time, which is hideous and ugly and clunky, <laughs> and I despise it. I think okay. I think a lot of people never really played Majora's Mask because every everybody I talk to who has is like Majora's Mask is the capstone of the 3D Zelda games. Ocarina is fine, it's a good game, but like Majora's Mask had all of the originality. Now, 
that's absolutely right. Originality is is the is the key there, but it also, like Kevin said, at the same time, feels more like a Zelda game than Ocarina was down to like a formula, mm-hmm. and like a couple other Zelda games after that fell into that same formula. But yeah, um, you're right that a lot of people didn't play it. When you look at the sales numbers, they're not nearly as high, and I think a lot of people they either weren't ready to play it, um, they were sick of looking at it, like Kevin. Or it came out the exact day that the PlayStation 2 came out. Oh, I wasn't aware they came out the same day. It certainly doesn't help that it was a previous gen, a previous gen console game that required an expansion to play. Yes, that's the, that's the third thing. Yeah, the fourth thing. I can't count. I wasn't keeping track of numbers. <laughs> so, I mean, mechanically, it's very similar to Ocarina of Time, but there's just <clears throat> it's such a different game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the story is a much more central part of Majora's Mask. And Zelda games aren't typically known for having fantastic stories. They're known for having formulaic stories. Yeah, right. Uh, but Majora's actually feels very different to me. And, and I say this having not even completed the second dungeon yet, but it already feels very different. Well, any amount of time spent in the town, speaking to the town people and stuff, it's a remarkable study on... Um, and there are people that have written like papers and, and stuff like this uh, on the subject, but it, I find it's, it's an, an amazing study on what do people do at the end of the world, because in Majora's Mask, the world is going to end in three days, and there's nothing you can do about that, Right. Um, except except Link. Link has a song he can play that sends him back in time three days. Okay. It's, so you get to watch over the course of three days, and it's a, it's a concept we've seen now in other games, probably done better, but at the time... I'd never seen a game that had done anything like this. The people had lives, and they yeah. went every every day, every hour, they were doing something else. You know, the postman goes to every mailbox, and he goes to houses, and da-da-da-da-da. And on the third day, spoilers, he pretty much has a nervous breakdown because without my job, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's basically just on the floor in the post office, like, unsure what to do with himself. And it's just crazy to see how well done. They only They did this game in a year, and the team was, like, really small. So it's a remarkable achievement in that regard as well. And you'll see people, a lot of people try to flee. They're trying to flee the moon crashing into the earth, which I don't know how far they need to flee for that to happen, but I'm pretty sure they're all going to die. Um, yeah. And that moon, by the way, is super scary. Yeah. It's oh, it's always awesome. been one of, It's horrifying. <laughs> Other people, um, they just go about their lives. They're like, like the bartender at the milk bar or the postman. They're like, I'm just going to do my job and whatever happens, happens. Or, or the guy building the, the, the decorations and stuff for the for the carnival that's supposed to happen that can't happen because of the moon crashing. Um, he just keeps on doing his his job while his workmen flee the town, and mm-hmm. you know some people come to peace um, with it. Some people are afraid. Some people are do evil things, and it's it's just it's a really mature game. I I, I really do appreciate the depth of character with the NPCs because normally in a Zelda game anytime I have to talk to characters or like wander around town and like mm-hmm. try to figure out what to do next by talking to characters I dread it. Yeah, you just get people like beetles all hi. <laughs> yeah. And they're, exactly. they're very very two-dimensional. Right. It, there, there's not a lot of personality with the vast majority. Like like one of the things that I that I think Emrys, you and I were having a conversation about the upcoming Legend of Zelda Netflix series that's, well, maybe going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Where we were saying, like, how are they going to have a supporting cast of characters in this? Because Zelda has no supporting characters. It's Link and Zelda and Ganondorf, and that's it. Right. 
Yeah. And, like, Majora's Mask answers that question very well. Like, they could easily do, you know, a supporting cast based on characters from this game. Oh, sure. And that's that's what people um, have an issue with, I think, with Majora's Mask, because they just try to play it like a regular Zelda game, mm-hmm. and you can't. You cannot just go dungeon to dungeon. Like, right. you literally can't, because some of the things you have to help the people come to terms with things and, and solve their problems so you can actually get the items to do your job. It's so interesting and rewarding to get those masks. Yes. Because they all do something amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The postman's hat just lets you look in mailboxes and stuff, but they all some of them do some really cool stuff, like the stone mask, people can't see you, which is amazing when you have to do one of the stealth missions. You just walk right pe- past people and mock them. <laughs> yeah. And I, lo- I like um, that the three main masks, at least. Well, I, I haven't gotten the Zora mask yet, but I know it's coming because internet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, Mark, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. I posted a picture. I'm, I'm trying to find the last two masks, and I can't figure out what one of them is, so I posted a picture on Facebook, and one of our, one, one of our faithful uh, friends, I don't know if he's a listener, uh, was like, spoilers, and I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, but I, I like getting to play as, like, different Hyrule races, like, and yeah. seeing the way that they control. It makes me feel a little bit weird about some of the things that, like, Link has continued doing after the fact. Like, for example, like, you know, the Deku are, like, a sentient race. Yes. In the Zelda series. And even after walking a mile in their shoes, Link uses their nuts as a weapon. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> no, like, that, but that's that's why monsters are stunned by Deku nuts. Like, it, they're getting slapped in the face by testicles. <laughs> that's probably it. You're right. But you, you're not in love with the game, though. I'm coming around. I still okay. don't love it, but I don't hate it anymore. Okay, you were pretty mad the last time I really talked to you about it. Yeah, I... There, there are some serious problems with it. First of all, you're playing it on the new 3DS, which... I'm sure that second analog stick comes in really handy for, like, using the the camera. camera. Mm -hmm. I can't see shit. Like, there have been a number of times where I've been stumped by things just because I can't see. Yeah. There's a lot of preset camera angles, and they're not always perfect. Right. You have to use your first-person view to, like, look around. Right, and and I find that frustrating. Um, Like... I, I get that Nintendo released this the same day as their new console, but they have to keep in mind their massive install base for the previous version. Yeah. And at least try to... Like, that camera is not smart at all. It's Yeah, it sometimes pops through characters or, like, into walls and stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I have that problem a lot. And the other thing is, like, the game kind of looks like ass still. I don't, I don't think it does. <laughs> like, a lot of the character models look really good. Some of them just look like up N64 characters, but... Well, yeah, sure. No, the, the the character models are fine, but I'm talking about the environments in general. Just look very nondescript. Watch watch a comparison video. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, I'm not okay. Like you're you're saying, oh, but like ass looks so much better than like the inside of a butthole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, because that's what like N64 games looked awful. So yeah, like something that you know gets released. 15 years later is obviously going to look better, but that doesn't mean that what they released now looks good just because it looks better. I mean, if I was to give it a score, you know, on a 1 to 10 scale, I would give the graphics an 8. I would give the character models an 8. Okay. The, and, like, the Termina Field, um, like, the mountains, everything still feels really blocky to me. Mm. 
and I don't enjoy that. It doesn't feel organic. The trees look like shit. Um, like the all of the textures of like the mountains and like the grass look muddy. Like the grass, the grasslands look like there's been a drought and everything's dying. And and like I would say that maybe that's just like the apocalyptic nature of the game, but Ocarina of Time 3D looked the same way. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure um, how many of the original resources they used to make quite a, a few. Version. So I'm I'm imagining that there's only there's like a limit to what they can do to make it look better. Yeah, it seems like they focused on a lot of the stuff that you'll be focusing on yourself. Like Link is completely redesigned and he looks awesome. No, I I agree. Link does look really good. His sword looks stupid, but <laughs> he looks good. Well, upgrade your sword. You finished the second dungeon. You can upgrade your sword now. I didn't finish the second dungeon. I'm finishing the second dungeon. Oops. <laughs> but thanks. You're just giving everything away. Upgrading your sword is the most infuriating part of the game, I think. Oh, no. You mean the most infuriating part of the game isn't where isn't after the first dungeon when you have to chase the Deku Elder through that cave? <laughs> he was the butler, wasn't he? The Deku's elder's butler or something. Yeah, the butler, you're right. Yeah. Well, there's more to come. <laughs> more like that? No, but it's um, precision Goron rolling to get the, oh, the new fuck sword. Me. Yeah. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I don't want I think to I remember that. that. You have, uh, but the, the, the bright side is the sword does double the damage of your current sword, Kevin. Uh, that, that is nice, because my, my current sword is not good. I, but, I, yeah, I I mean, what the game does right in terms of item acquisition outside of dungeons, uh, rewarding exploration, rewarding interaction with NPCs, and everything seems so rich. I also like that, like, if you try to add things to the game, it really supports that. Like, I kind of feel like maybe Nintendo intended Majora's Mask to be a critique of bigotry and prejudice. Oh. Because so much of this game, you have to be the correct race or people won't even interact with you in a desirable way. Yeah, yeah even that stupid dog in Clock Town re re reacts yeah. to every single different race that you become differently. Yeah. If you're a Deku scrub, a, that dog will attack you and he, he'll, he'll growl at you if you're a Goron. And I'm just wondering, like, that dog is white, so is he like a metaphor for the white power <laughs> movement or something like that? So... What I have read, and I don't know that this is the case because I don't know a lot about it, that the game is a study on the five stages of grief. You know, the game starts as you, as Link, searching for Navi the fairy from Ocarina of Time. Okay. Um, and there's a theory that she is dead and that you are just sort of going through the motions. Do you know why he can't find her, though? She leaves at the end of Ocarina of Time? No, no, the like reason that? is because he doesn't have someone to scream, Hey, look, listen! <laughs> okay, fine. Anyway, so continue. So basically, each of the areas, Clock Town, the mountain, the ocean, the swamp, and the, the, um, the desert, are metaphors for the five stages of grief. And um, it's when, once you read it, it really does kind of seem that way. Mm -hmm. Like, especially given the particular, like, tasks the things you have to fulfill as that particular race that lives in that region mm -hmm. um and it's i think it's pretty brilliant if that's what they were trying to do it seems likely that there would be some kind of structure like that behind the storytelling it's the saddest darkest zelda game yeah 
Yeah, um, overall, it's a game that I can't say is is either good or bad, because I have too many conflicting emotions about it. Uh, on, on the one hand, like, it frustrates me, some of the mechanical decisions they made involving the camera, and the way the game controls, and aspects like that. But on the other hand, the storytelling and the concept of the game are so brilliant that, like, I think I'm going to see this one through to the end, even though, like, at times it does make me want to throw my 3DS across the room. Look, the first time I ever played it on N64, I quit, and I stopped playing, and I never, I didn't go back to it on N64. It wasn't until a few years later that I got the um the disc you were talking about, the GameCube yeah. disc that has a bunch yeah. of Zelda games on it, and the Wind Waker demo, and all that, where I finally, like, I, I sat down with a guide and played it all the way through, and got everything I 100%ed that game and was like wow that was actually really good like yeah there were no surprises because of the guide but still yeah. like mm-hmm. just seeing everything through seeing everything they wanted me to see was amazing and now this being my third time playing it um it's there's a lot of stuff that the worst thing I, I think you can do when you replay a game is try to go by memory mm-hmm. because you're like oh I remember you do this and sometimes you're very very wrong but um, well, especially in the remaster game when they move things. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm really enjoying it. I love this game so dearly, and I'm so glad that I got it. Yeah, I really wish I could play it. Well, maybe Kevin will let you borrow it when he's done. I think I think my friend who has my GameCube probably still has the disc, so I might. Oh, there you go. Might get that back mm-hmm. from him. Yeah, I mean it's a lot harder. They they ease up on a lot of things. The save system's better in the 3DS version. In the original, you had to do the Song of Time to reset time. That's the only time you got, like, a concrete save. The rest of the time, you used the owl statues to do, like, a temporary save. Yeah. And then I, th- I think if you died, you lost that save. Oh, my gosh. So um, it was a lot harder. It was way more hardcore on N64. They really lightened up. They made the notebook way more accessible for the 3DS version. It updates on its own. The little, the little kids around town that are in the group called the Bombers are constantly coming up to you and giving you rumors that are basically either leading to a mask or a heart piece or a, a weapon or something in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 way easier, and some people don't like that, but um, I just it's just more fun to play. I think I can't remember why I never finished it the first time back in with the the disc, the GameCube disc. It's, it's difficult. You need all twenty four masks. To get the like good ending, I guess you'd call it. So it's a lot of work, a lot of just obscure like, like old school Zelda type um, mentality. Where like in the original Zelda for NES, like nobody told you there was no telltale sign to bomb a wall. Yeah. Like how do people know to bomb that wall? How to bomb that tree? In the original Legend of Zelda, it was all trial and error and people just exploring, discovering, and that's what this game is all about. Yeah. And. That's why I said earlier, like, feels a lot, it feels original, like, so original, but at the same time, feels more like a real Legend of Zelda game than a lot of Zelda games do. Mm -hmm. But um, we've talked enough about this. Uh, You know how we all feel, so I want to know how Emrys feels about Game of War. The thing about empires, the bigger you build them, the more your enemies want to knock them down. Let them have their fun. You and I will revisit them soon enough. Do you want to come and play? Game of War. Play for free now from the app Okay. Store.
I'm really excited to talk about Game of War because this game has been literally a thorn in my side for the past 26 hours or so. Wow. Yeah, you don't ever really stop playing Game of War uh, unless you're asleep and it, it, the notifications can no longer reach you. Uh, I want to tell you right off the bat about the two, I think, unforgivable sins of Game of War, which, like, heavily color the experience. Uh, and that is the push notifications can't be turned off. That should be illegal. Yeah. It really should be. This game will notify you every three minutes on average that you need to go back to looking at the game. And uh, every time you are not looking at the game and you go back to looking at the game, there's a loading screen. So every three minutes, you are required to participate in a 30-second loading screen. Oh, my God. Or you just leave the game running all the time, which is what the game wants you to do. Right. Do the loading screens feature Kate Upton? No, no, it's okay. just like a dragon and a guy like yelling. The the Kate Upton sort of character is the tutorial lady who calls you my lord or like my king or something. Her name's Athena. Those freaking commercials are everywhere. I'm pretty sure there was a there was a commercial for it during the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I decided I decided to review this game was because of those um, Kate Upton commercials that are. In every corner of the internet. I wanted to see what it was like to play a free-to-play game that had that kind of advertising budget. Their budget must be enormous. Oh, yeah. Like, Kate Upton's boobs enormous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the like the other thing is, like even just like browsing around the internet, like some websites have ads... For that game, and they yeah. are the most obnoxious ads because, every, like, I don't even click on them, and it just opens the app store. Like, I'm in oh, my yeah. browser on my tablet, it opens the app store, and like takes me right to that spot. And before I knew you were reviewing the game, I saw it pop up so many times that finally I was just like, "Ah! I swear to God, I will never download this game." <laughs> yeah. Normally, I like to review, you know, indie titles or games that I have a personal stake in. But I was really, really curious just to see what the big deal was. And here's the big deal. The, the game takes place on a grid, which is sort of attractive. It, it, it's a, like a city. Like, it's supposed to be fantasy, Roman, something. There's fountains and shit. <laughs> and like a waterfall and green grass and stuff. And it's all pretty static. You don't really interact at all with it, except that there are all these plots. And on the plots, you can build stuff. The, the stuff that you can build is all related to this series of numbers. Like, the whole game is this massive grid of numbers. It, it, could, it could easily, the game could easily be played in an Excel sheet. <laughs> um, and your only goal is to make all of the numbers go up. The game starts, the very first thing it tells you to do is to build a farm so that your food number will go up. And, like, honestly, I, I, I was a little taken aback at first because, like, the, the starting amount of food that you have is, like, 250,000 units of food. 
That sounds excessive. Right now I have 1.41 million food. Well. <laughs> All right, the game is called Game of War. So the game sort of hints at this idea that you can build up this massive army and like go attack other people in the game. Yeah. And really early on it encourages you to join an alliance which is just a collection of of other random people. And so since I was just playing the game to review and I didn't want to get too invested in it, I just joined the first alliance that I saw just to progress the game along. But I I want to I have to like admit that the game it gets its talons into you. Okay? So despite not wanting to get invested, I am a little bit emotionally involved with this alliance I joined. Like I took I took the time to teleport my city like next to the leader's city, and in return the leader of the alliance gave me like a new rank. He like promoted me and sent me a whole shitload of food. I don't know what alliances are for. Like honestly, I have no fucking idea what the long term like what the meta game, like, what the high-end players are doing in this game. I have no idea. The game does not tell you, like, what you're, you're striving for. It seems like you might be overthinking it. Yeah, well, except that you want all your numbers to go up. And, like, there's some weird shit that, like, you have a hero that you can, like, customize with equipment and skill points and your hero will like go and fight monsters in the in the world map but there's no tutorial and the the like help documents are are really arcane <laughs> it's impossible to figure out without reading like everything which i don't want to do because i don't want this game to get its hooks in me any more than it already has <laughs> all right and so while i'm on the topic I'll tell you how it gets its hooks into you, which is that every time you get a notification and you wait through the loading screen and you get into the damn game already, there's something for you to tap on. And then that tapping will lead you to two or three more taps, and you'll easily spend like two or three minutes just tapping on shit. And every tap you do gets you like a little prize. Congratulations, you tapped so well. Emrys, I feel like you're like a, a, a lab rat for somebody, for whoever this company is. The, the company has a name. It's MZ, I think. Uh, and you can like link it to Facebook and probably play it on Facebook and then, I guess, be Facebook friends with the people in your alliance. What I don't understand is why I haven't been getting nonstop Facebook notifications from you about this. Oh, I did not link up my Facebook. I have not taken that step, even though I could That's get good. free gold for it. Free gold, though? That makes all your numbers go up. <laughs> makes... You win the game of war! <laughs> <laughs> so, MZ stands for Machine Zone. Yeah. And this is their only game yeah. on the iOS App Store. This is really weird. Where did they get all their money? From this game! From Kate Upton? No! From... They found it between her cleavage. <laughs> so, it had been there for years. <laughs> the, 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 the thing of, of the game is that 
you're supposed to get your friends to play and your friends comprise your alliance and then you go and like attack other alliances in wars to like get you like capture their guys and you can like get resources and stuff which i guess you use the resources to make gear for your hero and so your hero like fights for you in the wars and like fights monsters which if i had a group of friends who were into playing excel sheet the game that <laughs> that could be pretty fun i can like i can imagine i can imagine a scenario where you get emotionally involved in this game and you're like, yeah, I'm going to spend all my food on making a big army and then I'm going to march my army next door and I'm going to have a war. And then, you know, my guys will be wounded, so I need to have these hospitals. But, like, I'm not, I'm not playing that game, so I don't really understand what any of these things are for. There's so much shit in this game. They're, like, but it all comes down to... It all comes down to grids in an Excel sheet. Like, I have these walls, and you can build bricks and tower archers and spikes and, like, boiling tar and put them on your walls. But there's no, like, there's no, like, animation. There's no sign of these archer towers on your walls. It's just number 50. I have 50 of them. And I know how much food they cost per day. Or maybe per hour. It's hard to know. So you want to build up a huge army. And then you have to supply it with food. And so you have to have your farms. And then you're, you you go back to this grid. Which is covered in shit for you to tap and upgrade. And you like. <laughs> it's hard to describe. Because everything is this intertwined knot. Of numbers that go up. So I need to tell you about the user interface. Because it's just covered in garbage. <laughs> there's like numbers everywhere and when you first look at it they don't mean anything to you there's like a hero with his level and then there's this vip number and then the power your i don't know what power represents but i have twenty-seven thousand power <laughs> then there's gold which is a big yellow button then there's your resources that are up the top that are just gigantic numbers 442,000 ore. God only knows what you spend that on. <laughs> and then there's a big vibrating button that just says sale. And then there's like an ejaculation of gold coins. And it's oh, like baby. constantly moving and flickering. And They want you to spend money. Yeah. And then there's these icons that are, are like flickering. And you tap them and it takes you to like really long lists of confusing things like boosts there's a boosts menu here and you can boost fucking everything you can boost your wood <laughs> i do that every day yeah mine doesn't need it <laughs> and then there's this events thing they reward you with stuff like everything you do has prizes that pop up and you're, you're getting a prize like every three minutes which is why you get that notification like oh you got a prize. Do you ever find yourself getting prize fatigue? No, because... <laughs> They're prizes, Kevin. Yeah. Who gets sick of prizes? <laughs> That's exactly right. There's like no... there's, And then at the bottom there's this thing, there's a quest, which always gives you something to do. There's probably five million quests that are all like the tiniest little thing. Like, 
upgrade your upgrade your hospital to level six is my current quest and that's gonna take half an hour to finish unless I speed it up with boosts I have a million of those I was reading reviews here on the app store and there's 34,000 reviews on the app store uh -huh. Holy crap. I'm assuming the game prompts you on a regular basis to rate it and so people just rate it to Actually, tell it to shut up I haven't gotten any rating prompts oh really no oh several of the reviews that I skimmed were like this is a great game if you're willing to spend the money and then one dude's like yeah this game's awesome I spent $130 on it and da 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 da, -da. I'm like oh my gosh yep. these people exist we need to get one of them on the show. I'll tell you what. If you want to get anything done in a hurry, you need to boost it. And that's $5. But the game wow. has no end. There's no reason to hurry it. You're not understanding all the different numbers that have to go up. <laughs> there are so you many sound like numbers, one of them. <laughs> and at least one of them has to be going up. Probably three. You generally want four numbers to be ticking away in an upward direction at any given time oh man all of those numbers and i can only assume that if you actually go to war and you're like army fights another army then it must be a total chaos of numbers flying everywhere going up and down and it's just a regular game of war at that point yeah there's probably interesting army mechanics like there's a bunch of different types of units you can get like swordsmen who are strong versus cavalry and siege, and weak versus ranged defenses. And then you can like build different critters to go in your army, and then you build different defenses in your walls to fight other people's critters. And so it all seems very complex and like interrelated. Right now I'm confused about something because somebody declared war on my alliance. Can you secede? Yeah, you, I guess you can leave your alliance if you want to, but I don't know if there's any benefit to that. You're being warred upon. Yeah. So since I have no idea how to interact with this war thing, somebody's going to get butt-raped by another alliance. Like, someone's about to get screwed over, and I'm just glad it's not me, because my numbers might go down. <laughs> That's the opposite of what you want to happen. You want the numbers to go up? Right. That's the game of war. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're you think you're joking, but you're not. Oh, I'm not making jokes. I'm not a funny guy. Yeah. So anyway, like I like I said, I've been finding myself getting involved with this game in a way that's a little upsetting. I'm a little worried about you. There are so many different things. There's like a little box. There's a little box that gives you a prize at a random interval, and all it is is just like a random goody thing and you tap on it and you get a prize right now there's 14 minutes until i'm about to get some kind of prize and it's gonna pop up a notification and i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna look at this game and i'm gonna tap on a bunch of shit because you can't just you have to like tap on the chest then you tap okay to take your thing and then you tap on items and you tap on my items and you tap on the category of the item that you got and then you tap on the item and you use it so there's like seven or eight taps that are involved with just this one little prize. Oh yeah, look, I have a thousand stone. I'm going to tap on it. I have a thousand stone more. Whoa. 
Now you can build something that uses a thousand more stone than you could before. I don't even know what that. I don't even know what stone is used for. Like I guess every time you build a building, then it costs a certain amount of stone, but it's such a small amount compared to the like gigantic volumes that I possess that I don't even pay attention to it. I have a series of questions I would like to ask you about this game. Yeah. Ask have away. you spent money on it? No. Okay. No. I That's have good. absolutely no inclination to spend money on it because like the money spending is enormous. Like the gold store is frankly terrifying. Cuz it there's like huge banners for things that are on sale and then there's timers that are ticking down like if you don't buy the sale thing it's going to go away. But there's just going to be another sale thing, like, in an hour. <laughs> exactly. I, don't know, I don't know why they're pretending, like, something isn't going to be on sale in an hour. Okay. All right, so, like, this is, like, this is an example of one of the things. The Anniversary Gear Super Sale. It costs $5. Everything on the store costs $5. And you get, like, 20,000 gold. There must be... There must be 40 different chests here, and you get 20 of each chest. Oh my god. 20 million food. <laughs> 5 million stone. So all your people are fat and have diabetes? Apparently. I've, I've, there's one resource that I've managed to exceed, like, and that's the construction research. You can research different things that make numbers go up and the number that i want to go up is the construction speed it's like a m minuscule percentage increase to the construction speed of your buildings you can theoretically and i've reached the point where i don't have enough money to research the next tier um can you purchase a kate upton avatar no there mm. are a couple of female avatars but they're very tame can you actually through microtransactions purchase kate upton herself <laughs> you said earlier you could purchase you could open or purchase chests can you purchase kate upton's chest can you open it <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the store as far as i can tell Shucks. but i'm scrolling past like 400 sales so there might be oh my gosh what you've been describing to us for the past few minutes is exactly every ios game ever made or Android game. Yeah, you know, I feel like there is definitely a genre of games which are just a grid of numbers, and you tap on the numbers to make them go up. So you're, like, giving up on indie games here, and you're, like, selling... You're, you're like, you know, sowing your seed with uh, Games of War, huh? You know what? As soon as I'm done with this review, I'm going to delete the app from my phone, and I'm going to never look back. Are you because sure you didn't take on a sponsorship from Machine Zone or whatever the heck they're called? Yeah, because like, if you know, you don't you don't got a front man. Like, I was just gonna ask you if after this you want, you know, since you're into like popular games now, if you wanted to like play Call of Duty with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys are making fun of me now. <laughs> but you don't understand. More than that, we're making fun of the game. <laughs> yes. You don't understand if you. If you had to play this game for any amount of time for a review, you would find yourself getting emotionally involved with it too. This tapping, like it tap, it it's part of a primal 
desire in our monkey brains to get minuscule prizes on a random interval. Yeah. Right. Oh, did I tell you about the quests? I was started to. Yep. The quests are literally just things that you tap on, and it takes a certain amount of time, and then the quest is over. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> There's nothing to achieve. It's not like build a hundred guys, and then you get you finish the quest. It's just tap on me, and in 20 minutes, the quest will be over, and then you'll get a prize. And these quests, there's like, every six hours, the quests reappear, and there's like 15 of them, and they all take a random amount of time to complete, like 4 minutes and 7 seconds, 4 minutes and 32 seconds, and you tap on them, and then 4 minutes later, 4 minutes and 7 seconds exactly later, you get a prize. <laughs> and the prize will be like a thousand wood and some oh, baby. some XP for your little man and a little bit of power like your power number goes up I'm a little bit sad because overall in my alliance I am like sixth highest in power and I haven't even been I haven't even been trying I've just been forced to play this game by the notifications and my desire to review it I don't know if I can give it a final verdict. Like, I don't think I can boil this game. I give it one infinitely increasing number out of one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a variable. Quit the game. Yes. Uninstall, please, right now, before I spend another millisecond looking at that fucking game. I'm uninstalling it right now, and it feels so good. Well, now it's time to jump in our time machines to our portable past. Is that a TARDIS I hear? <laughs> no, it's my child crying in the next room. Um, <laughs> it's bedtime. So I'm reviewing Golden Sun. This was uh, a game released November 2001 for the Game Boy Advance, developed by Camelot, who made the Shining Force series and a bunch of Mario sports games and literally billions of other games. Not literally. Um, I still remember the first time I sat down with Golden Sun. I was 21. I was sitting on an ex-girlfriend's sofa, having just returned from the mall where I purchased it, and I proceeded to ignore her for at least the two first hours uh, the first two hours of gameplay because I was so enthralled. Did she um, enjoy that? Well, I ignored her plenty after that as well, so that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> uh, my point is, games like this, they just didn't really appear on handheld platforms before this, and I was kind of awestruck by it. Kevin, do you have any first impressions? Did you play this game? I did, yeah. I, I have both of the Golden Sun games for Game Boy Advance, and... Uh, I didn't finish the second one, but I really enjoyed the first one a lot. I played it the whole way through. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember, um, I think it was the third game I bought for my Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember one of my friends came over, and, like, the Game Boy Advance was sitting on the coffee table. And I pulled it out and showed him Golden Sun. And I was like, can you believe that, like, this is what they're doing with handheld systems these days? Like, look, like, I went into a battle, and I was like, look at this battle sequence. Like, can you, can you believe they're doing this? Yeah. 
Because it was, like, technically very impressive. Exactly. So let's just keep that in mind throughout the duration of this review. So we'll talk about the graphics. They're kind of an odd lot. The characters look like sort of pre-rendered... Uh, 3D models turned into sprites, similar to what they did for, like, Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. Um, They're mostly nice, but they can sometimes be a bit pixelated, particularly, like, the larger characters. And the backgrounds are your typical pixel art, you know, your average medieval-ish 16-bit RPG sort of fare with, like, you know, your cozy towns, grassy plains, dark caverns, snowy mountaintops. You know, they work, they're fine. Um, the most striking thing I find to this day about the graphics um, is the particle effects, though. Uh, for nearly every attack or spell, there's like this accompanying spray of colorful particles that really make the battles feel more kinetic and just impressive to watch. You know, and and speaking of the spells, like holy crap, or some of them like remarkable. But um, I'll talk they more really about that are. later. The music, incredible. Both in the, the quality and the composition. Like, the composer was... I'm going to butcher this, so forgive me, but the legendary... I know because I looked him up on Wikipedia, and I'm like, oh, he's from that, he's from that, he's from that. Um, Motoi Sakuraba. And he's known for work on, like, Star Ocean, Mario Golf, um, Botan Kaitos, the Tales series, like, just dozens of games. And his songs in Golden Sun are... They're memorable, they're catchy... And sort of, you know, they they frequently tugged on, on my nostalgia boner with their retro goodness. To give you guys, like, uh, uh, the way, I mean, an insight into how the music impacted me. Like, it was uh, the, the, the battle music from Golden Sun. And I believe a couple of the other tunes were contending for our music episode we did, like, a number of months ago. Uh-huh. Right. Like, it's not as high on my list as, like, masterpiece soundtracks like Final Fantasy VI or A Link to the Past, but it's definitely a strong contender for a spot among, like, great 16-bit soundtracks. And certainly, like, few Game Boy Advance games can compare to this one. So the gameplay of Golden Sun is very similar to most 16-bit RPGs for the most part. There are a few things, though, that separate it, like... First is, like, the synergy system, which is basically magic, but each character in your party has sort of tendencies toward a certain element, whether it's earth, wind, fire, or water. So their strengths and weaknesses relate to those elements. And enemies can be exploited, or you can be exploited by enemies using this. Additionally, there are these creatures called Jin, D-J-I-N-N, that you can find in the wild and capture. And that's sort of optional. Like, you can beat the game with only, like, a certain small percentage of them. But um, I remember the fr- the very first time I played through it, I went and got every single one of these little guys. Yeah, me too. But each each djinn is also representative of an element, just like your characters, and can be used for attacks, spells, stat adjustments, buffs, um, and even summons in battle. Your characters equip them very similar to, like... Um, the the guardian forces in final fantasy 8 i know it's not a, it's sort of an unpopular game but um, if that helps you i hope you can relate to that so i myself found the effectiveness of using jin in battle um it's sort of in the player's ability to to use their activation and cooldown to to your advantage so like okay so for example i would like no, I'm coming up on like a big battle. So I would force myself into a random battle of which, you know, 
there will be hundreds for you to play in this game. So I would activate a Jin in, in the random battle, or four of them, whatever, and then go to the battle against like the, the stronger foe, you know, a boss or a tougher enemy, and just unleash all my powerful moves right in a row, right at the beginning, without having to risk extra turns in these like tense, close-matched fights. Mm-hmm. But you, you sort of have to... And that's just my strategy. I found that to be really helpful. Um, but you have to be careful about how you equip them to your characters. For example, like if you're using a fire-based character, I guess you could say, um, and you equip it with only fire Jin, then like smarter enemies will be able to use, just say, water against you. So learning when and how to equip the right Jin for the job is a little bit of trial and error. Thankfully, there are there is a good save system. It lets you save pretty much anywhere. And if you're playing it on Wii U, it's available on the Virtual Console. Um, there are save states, and they'll certainly come in handy. And then, um, additionally, some of the spells can be used outside of battle. You can like solve puzzles, or you know, to move crates, or to grow vines so you can climb up things or whatever. It's just interact with the environment, or even NPCs like. You know, the spells that allow you to move and grab objects are super useful, but um, even more fun than those are, like, say, for example, like, the, the mind-reading spell that lets you peek inside the thoughts of, like, basically any character you encounter, like, even animals, and it's pretty funny. The story, though, um, didn't do much for me this most recent playthrough. You know, it's, it's, it's fine, I suppose, but... It's the dialogue is very long-winded and became really tiresome to me. Like, it felt like like a like a like a modern first-party Nintendo game with all this unnecessary crap that people just kept going on and on about. Like, I don't know why they can't just be more concise. But um, within the dialogue, there's like a number of prompts where other characters will ask you like yes or no questions. And but it's really weird because this isn't like Mass Effect or like The Walking Dead, you know. There's little effect that I found to the game or story, no matter what I answered. Like, the worst thing that can happen is, like, you get this, like, undesired look or, or comment from the NPC. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do sincerely recommend Golden Sun to anyone who hasn't played it. Um, you know, it's a retro 15-year-old RPG, so if that sounds like your thing, I, I really think you should try it out. Like, some of the mechanics might feel a little bit dated or... Or tiresome, but overall, it's a really wonderful game. Uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that it encourages experimentation with the magic system. Yeah. Um, first of all, by allowing you to equip Jin as you see fit on your characters, and that actually enables you to change their class. Yes. Uh, it, it and it doesn't tell you like what's going to happen. You just have to do it and see what happens. Uh, the other thing is it encourages you to use magic, unlike a lot of JRPGs, particularly the Final Fantasy series, by as your character moves, it you slowly regain magic points. That's really helpful. Yeah, like, it, it made me not afraid to use magic in battles, which I feel like is a major downfall of a lot of JRPGs. Yeah, I agree. Emerson, you've played it as well? Uh, you know, I do remember playing this game, but I don't remember finishing it, and I don't have any strong opinions of it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about it. Like, I really enjoy it, but there are some parts that kind of try my patience a little bit, and some of that's due to just the where RPGs were at that time. Um, some of it's due to 
maybe a localization team that was the same localization team that did Fantasy Life for 3DS. We're like, oh, just oh put gosh. in put in every bit of, of <laughs> you know, little text blob that you possibly can. <laughs> that doesn't even, like, that you just want to skip. You're just like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, it's probably the same localization team that did Fantasy Star Zero for the DS. Oh, I remember that story being really bad. Oh, At least you could skip so it there. poorly written. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. And and there was even like some like borderline hentai stuff in that. It was like like there was a legitimate tentacle group scene in that game. There was. There was not a lot of skin, but there was definitely um, some edgier <laughs> yeah. stuff. Some very typical anime type crap. Um, I do have one more segment before we go, and I didn't uh, tell you guys. This new segment is called "Make Kevin Angry." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> And okay, so I'll, I'll explain the um, the concept I had in my mind. I try to just say one sentence and see how angry I can make Kevin. <laughs> so um, this uh, this month's make Kevin angry segment uh, is gonna go like this. I'm gonna ask Kevin a question and then he's gonna answer and then I'm gonna I'm gonna rate. How effective I was at making Kevin angry. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit out this laughing because it's not going to sound authentic. Um, my last sip of beer there. Here we go. Kevin. Yes. Do you have your Mega Man Amiibo from GameStop yet? God damn it, no. <laughs> no, let me, let me tell you about this shit that has been going on with me and this Mega Man Amiibo. So... I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before. I do not pre-order things from GameStop, and I just refuse to as a matter of principle. Like, I, I go into GameStop, and they'll walk up to me and be like, hey, do you want to pre-order this thing? And I'm like, no, fuck you. And, <laughs> that, and so, finally, like, I know that some of these Amiibos have been, like, hard to find. Oh, yeah. So, so... Like, I didn't want to miss out on the Mega Man Amiibo because it's the one that I care about the most. So I went to a GameStop and I pre-ordered it because my local game store, uh, Elite Games, does not supply any Amiibos whatsoever. Okay. So I went to GameStop. I said, hey, I'd like to pre-order a Mega Man Amiibo. This was back in early January. And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, now, well, here's the thing. Like, am I guaranteed an Amiibo if I pay for this? And they're like... Yeah, yeah, you're guaranteed to me by the day it comes out. And I was like, okay. So the receipt said release date was February 1st. And as of this recording, which is February 21st, they still have not received them. Now, furthermore, I when I reserved this, I told them, like, hey, like, are you guys going to call me when it comes in? And they're like, no. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're not? And they're like, yeah. But, you know, we'll hold it for you for 48 hours. I'm like, oh. So since February 1st, I've been calling them every other day. Being like, hey, did you guys get the Mega Man Amiibo in yet? And they're like, no. And I'm like, do you know when it's coming in? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, because, you, you know, you've had my money like half a month longer than you were supposed to. Almost an entire month longer. And I'm just saying I'm not getting any interest on this. I'm sort of wondering what the benefit of this for me is. So... The point is, I'm getting tired of calling these motherfuckers. These motherfuckers aren't calling me when the product I already paid for in full is supposed to come in. Like, they're just not going to tell me. And 
all I have to say is I better get the I better get this goddamn amiibo the day that it comes out because if they sell the one that they pre-sold me, I'm just gonna walk into that store and I'm going to take the person's face in my hands <laughs> and I'm going to look them dead in the eyes. And I'm gonna say, pull out your phone camera right now, take a photo of this face, my face, the face of anger, distribute it to all current employees and future employees and any past employees who were seasonal and might come back at some point in time. And here's what you do. You tell them, do not offer a pre-order to this man. Because if they offer me a pre-order, what's going to happen is I am going to open my mouth and the sound that comes out that issues forth will summon a swarm of locusts that will consume the flesh of every motherfucking person in that store! (laughs) <laughs> oh. So what's I like your rating? This, segment. this is a good new segment. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't like I didn't spoil it for you guys. <laughs> Kevin, does it make you angry? <laughs> this is a follow-up question. Does it make you angry that like people are just walking into Toy R- Toys R Us and purchasing him for like the past 2 weeks? You have no idea. Like if I like if I hadn't already paid for this thing in full, like I would just have gone somewhere else and gotten it. What I've been finding is people a lot of I I follow it relatively closely, like not as close as where I know where things are in stock and when or whatever, but like people are saying like you pretty much have to pre-order an amiibo at two different places. Yeah. If if, if you're going to find it and then even then like if you hear a whisper in the wind of someone finding an amiibo at some place, like you need to go now and drop everything. Mhm. It's really annoying. Like, maybe I just want Captain Falcon. That will never happen for me now. I will never have a Captain Falcon amiibo, even though I freaking love Captain Falcon. Because, number one, he's not a super popular character, so the print run was lower than someone, say, like Mario. But Mm -hmm. there's all these people out there buying stacks of them at a time for resale value because they know they're a lower print run, and it's just really annoying. Like, retailers should really be capping the maximum you can purchase at one time. Oh, totally. And I don't really know. I don't I don't have all the answers. But it's for those of us that we don't have time to be reading all the websites. We don't have time to be going to seven different targets in the same day. But we, look, if I can't get a Duck Hunt figure, I might start a few fires. So... <laughs> Yeah, man, like, that's that's the whole thing. Like, I just want to be a Nintendo fan. I don't want to have to, like, just make the fucking toys that people want. And, like, people stop being fucking shitty, and retailers do your goddamn jobs. Yeah, so it's tough. It's frustrating. There's a bunch that I miss that I really would have liked to have, but there's just no way. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, man, I, I want a pit amiibo. I'm not going to pay more than, than retail for any of them. Absolutely. No, I, I refuse. Like, if it's more than 13 bucks, I'm not paying for it. But if I see a Mega Man in the wild, Kevin, I will get it for you just in case. I, I do appreciate it, man. Like, it, it's it's less of a big deal to me now. Like, I, I, I got Kirby, I got Pikachu, I got Toon Link. And, like, I, I have these two pretty awesome uh, Mega Man figures. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not Amiibos, but, like, they're, ac- I mean, they're actually, like, classic, like, Mega Man, st- like, not like the Smash Brothers style, but, like, the classic Mega Man style figures. Uh-huh. right. So, like... When, you know, I didn't have those when, like, the Mega Man Amiibos were announced. I don't honestly play with the Amiibos. I kind of just, like, have them sitting out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just, like, it makes me mad that, like, first of all, like, GameStop is like, yeah, man, you'll totally get it the day it comes out. And, like, here I am, like, 
how long ago did this Mega Man figure start getting released? Like, I saw Mike Bennett had one, like, two weeks ago. Right. And I don't know where he got it, but, like, the official date that I heard from GameStop was the 20th. Yeah, well... I called them three times yesterday. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I called them at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, and they were like, We got so many boxes, and it's a big launch day for stuff. We can't get to it right now. And I was like, really? And then, like... They were like, yeah, call back around, like, 12.30. So I call back around 12.30, and they were like, oh, no, man, call back around 3.30, and I call back around 3.30, and like, we got all the boxes unpacked, it's not here, but, like, it's supposed to be coming in the middle of the week next week, and I was like, so Wednesday, and like, maybe Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, you should just call all those days, man. Yeah, I'm like, gosh. yeah, it's awesome that I have so much time to call you, motherfuckers. Yeah. Last week when I called them to ask about the Mega Man Amiibo, I was like, Hey, are you guys getting Majora's Mask in on that day? Like, like when is when is Majora's Mask coming out in stores? And they were like, we're not allowed to talk about that with people who aren't GameStop employees. I was like, I'm a customer. I want to buy your goddamn shit. <laughs> That's so dumb. Especially since that information is like available online. It's not a secret. I, I, I looked it up, like, what the release date was, yeah. but, like, release date and, like, in-store date isn't always the same thing as I've discovered. Yeah, and the allotment true. can play into it, too. They might only get sure. copies in, they're all reserved. Right, but, like, and, and here's the thing, like, it's this particular GameStop branch that is exceedingly shitty. Like, I know GameStop's shitty in general. No, they're all terrible. I've never found a good one. I found one. It's a certain fellow that we all know. Oh. He works there. Well, it's the one so, that, like, yeah. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not naming names because he probably wouldn't want it. But... but is the location good, or is he just a good employee? Um, it might just be. It might just be him. Okay. <laughs> like my GameStop at the Like Homing Mall is by far the shittiest GameStop I've ever been to. Uh, all right, we gotta. We gotta get out of here. Yeah, this is this is running really long. Well, I would say that was a successful run of uh, trial run for make Kevin angry. <laughs> so. <laughs> I look forward to... I, you didn't I, You didn't give the score on how angry I was. Oh, I did, but I think we were just all talking. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Oh, nice, 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 okay. So, um, you know, 9 out of 10 effectiveness. Mm-hmm. So it's super effective. <laughs> yeah, so I, don't, I won't say it's a regular segment. It will be as... As necessary. As necessary, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Other than that, we're going to head out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't.